0: This week on The Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast, a monumental episode where we talk about seeing Lincoln monuments while traveling and talk a little bit about uh, the Confederate monument situation and the controversy slash debate over that. And then, of course, we will end with This Week in Lincoln.
1: two great gentlemen, are dedicated to a proposition. In X to each other. And Party on dudes!
0: All right, welcome to the fifth episode of the Rails Splitter Podcast, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. I'm your co-host Jeremy. Along with me is co-host Nick. What up, internet <laughs> world? Uh, how's it going, everybody? And uh, Nick, how are you? Good, man. I haven't like seen you for for a while. Yeah, we. Uh, I, I took. A little, you been? I took a little time away. I was actually traveling to Boston. So those of you that follow us on Twitter and Instagram, may have kind of joined me a little bit in my travels. Um,
2: the perks of an administrator, huh? Get yeah, to go to the, well, Get
0: to go to the conferences. I went to... I don't know. I wouldn't call it a conference. I think it's more of an institute at Harvard University. Name drop. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that school, but it's a good one. Uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, it was... I heard
2: it's equivalent to the Harvard of the Midwest, Illinois State. Yeah, it's the, Redbirds.
0: the, the Illinois State of the of New England. Uh, no, and I am wearing my Harvard t-shirt because I'm, I'm a geeky tourist in that way, but uh, no, I actually went to a conference, um, as most of you guys uh, who are listening know, uh, Nick and I are both educators. Um, I was We were both history teachers. I went to the executive branch and I'm now an administrator, uh, but I went to a conference on deeper learning and it was absolutely incredible, an incredible five days um, learning about, there's a, kind of a newish concept or at least a new term called deeper learning, which is, Um, really deeper learning (laughs) it's really kind of what we do here Um, the best metaphor that I heard while I was there was a Ron Brewer who's a extremely talented educator from uh, Massachusetts talked about how his dad worked his whole life and retired and right after he retired he wanted to see the world so he and his wife went on a European vacation where they saw 14 countries in 13 days Uh, when they got back they had the family over in their talking about their experience, and they had all these pictures laid out, and they were arguing over what blurry picture taken from a train window was from what country. You know, this was from the Vatican. No, no, I think that was in Venice. No, it was in Florence. And, um, you know, his point was they they did this tour, and they, and they really didn't learn a lot about anything. They obviously had a good time, and it was fine. But um, he, he kind of compared that to the American education system. Like, is that what we're doing? Or... Are we stopping and getting off the train and spending a few days or a week in a country to really get some depth of knowledge? And and, and the conference was about creating learning experiences that were a it, little deeper.
2: It sounds like it's justifying me always being behind pace on my um, pacing guide. So, yeah, I think uh,
0: I think so, because if we're content-driven versus skills-driven, it's a big difference. So I don't want to get too wonky into the... To the what we do for a living or more specifically what i do for a living hey i um, i'm liking
2: this this but, will give me you know, a little bit of credibility in the social studies department when i'm way behind everybody i it's, think
0: it if nothing else it justifies having a podcast about one person because we're, we're hopefully <laughs> providing a depth of knowledge but no in all seriousness the conference was great um joel meta was the the professor from harvard who ran and he's like the the person for deeper learning and he's really his research is really geared toward what makes learning last and what makes it effective and, and meaningful and, and lifelong. Interestingly, we were engaging in a, le- in a deeper learning experiment. Not experiment, but uh, kind of like a practical hands-on um, experience about it. So we actually went through a deeper learning lesson with a teacher from Somerville, Massachusetts, which is right by Cambridge, which is obviously right by Boston. Um, and so we went in the whole purpose was to create a podcast I'm like hey I've done that before uh, <laughs> so I got the name drop the rail splitter to our teacher who was awesome a guy by the name of Dan Wise who uh, extremely passionate and talented educator he did had, he, did you pull up the episode for him to listen to well we had to actually create a podcast for the deeper learning conference so I made and I'm not going to post it because it's not great but I made a rail splitter episode with one nice. of my colleagues uh, but what we did oh was, man you're kicking me out already <laughs> no no worries at all uh, but what we did was we went to um, we, we we met at Harvard, were introduced to the topic, got on the T, which is their subway, took a, went a few steps north and interviewed a director of a homeless uh, center and he was a Vietnam War vet who was passionate about helping out homeless people um, and he talked brilliantly about homelessness and what homelessness does and what, how it impacts people and um, just a really really insightful interview and then we took that we recorded it for audio then we took that and, and our job for deeper learning was to make a podcast which if you're a high school educator that's a hugely um, uh, deep way for students to engage with the material so instead of reading about homelessness or even talking to someone who has dealt with homelessness, or even talking to someone who is homeless, now they've got to take all of those things and and create something. So that was kind of the point of it. But what we did for our project was we tied in, there's a line in Lincoln's second inaugural about caring for he who bore the battle and his widow and his uh, child that he left behind. Um, So there will definitely be a future episode of the rail splitter, basically a longer version of the project that we ended up turning in. Uh, but it was fascinating. And, Nick, I know you do a lot of work with veterans, um, so that could definitely tie into your work as well.
2: Yeah. No, that, that sounds amazing. You know, that's kind of funny because uh, while you were in Boston, you know, enjoying air conditioning and whatnot, you know, I was sweating, carrying gear around. But uh, during that, we interviewed some uh, uh, Sharon out at Arts Place in Rockford, Illinois, here. And they're a summer program for people coming in to learn the arts, you know, kind of what you're doing, creating podcasts as an art. She talked about, you know, justifying if you ever have to justify the arts to stay in the school, it's not necessarily to argue the content, but to argue the skills that they learn, the lifelong skills of creating art, the follow through, the problem solving that goes into all of it. I was just thinking that while you were talking about it. So kinda interesting, you're out in Harvard doing something with that for educators across the world. She's doing it in Rockford here, working with uh the youth in, you know, the city of Rockford, so cool stuff going on out there that's for sure
0: right right yeah so and and we're hoping uh, to kind of bring all that stuff in so we try to bring our experience as educators into the podcast and into what Lincoln means to to everybody Um, and you know I think you can look no further than how brilliant Lincoln's writing is Lincoln's speeches are Lincoln's accomplishments are and he had two weeks of formal schooling Um, and formal schooling uh, so that was not the path necessarily for him, at least. So how did he learn, right? Through drive, through determination, and, and various other things. But engaging deeply in the work, I think, matters. Active learning. Active learning. That's and, learning. and deep, what was it, deep learning, deep, deep learning, thinking? Deeper learning. So anyway, that was a great experience. Uh, hopefully, um, I believe that that, that gentleman um, may may want to even come on the podcast because he was very passionate specifically specifically about veterans, which ties right into... Um, what Lincoln said right after the famous uh, "with malice toward none, with charity for all" line. So very, very.
2: Dude, you're very out networking, bizarre. man. Trying hustling, to. Hustling uh, I mean, for the I,
0: show. I felt. I fell right. You know, I fell backwards into. Uh, you know, hey, your assignment is to create a podcast. I'm like, did
2: you know that yeah. going out there?
0: No, I did. Well, um, I got to pick. We kind of had to pick where we would go for our deeper learning practical experience, and that just happened to be mine. Did you drag your colleague to
2: that That went with you? Yep,
0: or? yep. we went to that one together. Um, and there was another session that we went to separately um, that I found another example that we'll get to later in the show uh, that I'd like to bring in because they talked specifically about facilitating conversations about uh, racial issues tied to slavery and the Civil War. So it was really cool. Um, yeah. But if you were following on Twitter... How come I'm
2: going to get an invite to this? I'm working that angle. Yeah, I don't know. I I need
0: to be there. Yeah, I agree. Terrell, Julie? (laughs) (laughs) Those are our supervisors, who I don't know if they listen, but if they do, we're all giving you shout-outs all the time. (laughs) Um, So one thing that I was trying to be active on in kind of a side project through my whole travel was something I'm interested in, and I want to do a series of episodes over the life of this podcast, which is um, how history – People, those of us interested in history can have interesting travel, right? How do we travel as, you know, I don't want to say historians because we're not academics in that way necessarily, but, you know, I love... How finding, do history nerds vacation? Right, yeah, vacation more than travel, maybe. Like, you know, I... There's two arms to it, obviously. I mean, I like going to where things happen to see a little bit of how they happen. It's, it's, there's always something significant about standing where where p- important events happen. But I also... I have a soft spot for monuments. I really like to see big bronze statues of dead people that are somewhat inspirational. And I, I don't know why. That's just a form of artwork that appeals to me.
2: Yeah, they're, they're all over the place, too. So luckily for you, you can find them anywhere. I can well, we go around Rockford and find some. If you're looking
0: for it, I have yet to go to a major city where I have not found Abraham Lincoln. Um I was in Indianapolis again for a conference this one was not nearly Dang, as engaged. how
2: many conferences go to
0: It was not nearly as engaging as the one in Cambridge uh, this one was in Indianapolis uh, put on by the college board but anyway um, I was just I was really down in the dumps I was at that conference by myself I was lonely missing my family blah 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 um, had you know got some bad news about some other stuff and I was just kind of moping around the city and I found a statue of Abraham Lincoln in a really beautiful square that they have downtown and it's Provides comfort for me. It's weird, and it's maybe is embarrassing to admit, but like that just lifts me up and helps me. And I just feel I get that kind of inspiration from Lincoln and from history, and it just made me feel good. I just watched Amper, uh, Vampire Slayer and <laughs> Lincoln, and we <laughs> go <true>. and five <laughs> episodes in a row bringing up that piece of garbage. Um, but no, anyway. you know, t-
2: traveling as a history nerd, I mean, it definitely uh, it influences where you go, what you do. I mean, heck, I sidetracked my family on many. I once had a goal to go to every capital. Uh, so every state we drove through, we had to go to the capital. Um, you know, like I'm bringing home a picture, an autographed picture of the Oklahoma governor, who I can't remember at the time. <laughs> I wonder if I still have that, too, like thinking it was cool. Um, yeah, it kind of is cool. And then, you know, I, I drag you know, my poor girlfriend, Kira, around these Civil War battlefields, and I literally have the Atlas open pretty much just tracing a route that we walk, walking endless miles um, out there in hundred degree heat and Gettysburg, and then when she complains, I just remind them, "Hey, luckily we don't have wool uniforms like they did <laughs> when they're out there." So, um, or or cannon and musket fire and oh yeah, else. I mean that's just obvious. <laughs> I didn't think I had to bring that up to her. So
0: you just keep that one in your back pocket in case you need that argument. I've
2: literally made vacations around hitting historical sites, mm-hmm. and you know, almost in a a lot of times it does come across in a selfish, <laughs> nerdish way
0: yeah i mean i i feel the same way you know i feel like you know when we we got to go for a walk and find this spot that this thing happened or this monument for me to feel this soothing kind of comfort about you know the permanence of history and how it's there and for better or for worse and i do think this ties in very closely to the confederate monument discussion which we're we are going to get to toward the end of tonight's episode um
2: You know, kind of talking about that, too. One of the first things I really got in history, my parents actually made a trip to Springfield for me. And unfortunately, my brother got dragged along to see the Lincoln sites, you know, kind of tying it back to the podcast here. And then just kind of how that, you know, got me into history. The love of Lincoln, probably why I'm here right now, you know, um, shooting it with you.
0: Yeah. And that's I, I went to Springfield when I was in kindergarten and I still remember
2: it. I mean, the top three. Visitor tourist sites in Springfield are Lincoln-related.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah, that's the whole, the whole city. Yeah, it's...
2: Which is kind of funny because you go to East Aurora, New York, and Miller Fillmore Museum is only number four. Yeah. I mean, come on. What in else that, is there in East Aurora? So, <laughs> you know, Fillmore. God, dude, for crying out loud. You know, I came across the White House official website. I don't know if the quote's still there, but the quote they used was uninspiring for Fillmore.
0: Of course so. it is. And how could it not be? Um, And, and I don't... I don't want to make this like Nick wasn't with me on my little uh, Lincoln, you know, side trips and trying to find Lincoln in Boston, a city steeped in revolution history. Um, so I don't want to make this just about me. So Nick's gonna kind of jump in, obviously, with um, some questions and all that kind of stuff. But
2: I, basically, I'm gonna find out what I missed. Yeah. So while I was here, sweating, <laughs> um, you know, and very tired after working hard, I, I just want to know what he did and had fun.
0: I, I will say, I worked hard too. I was very, very engaged in that institute. You can't go to a, something at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I mean, they they work you, they push you. Anyway, um, so I had class. You're just saying that so the district doesn't get mad right. about
2: the money spent, but something like that. So wink, wink, I got you.
0: So I left for the, I, we're we're in North Central Illinois.
2: Yeah, you talk about. You know, you went sightseeing even before you got to Boston, right? Yeah, so play, play that out. So
0: I have, cla- I'm, I'm taking some classes, and I had a class in Woodstock, Illinois, which is I, I drive about 40 minutes east of my house. Um, and now I
2: hate Woodstock.
0: This maybe is this like a
2: Illinois? Oh, this yeah. is like Cary Grove related. Yeah, like we won conference basketball, and we got bounced the very first game in the playoffs by Woodstock.
0: The blue streaks.
2: Oh, yeah, dude. I, I still upset, hate them today. <laughs> um, if you're not from Illinois or northern Illinois, you probably don't even care about this. But Cary Grove represents
0: so, so I'm in Woodstock and I apologize, apologies to Cary Grove. Uh, and there's a train there that go, that'll take you to the city, right? So I left my car in Woodstock and hopped on the train. Well, I they only leave every two hours, and if I left on the early train, I felt like I had an extra two hours. If I left on the late train, I felt I was, like I was cutting it really close. So I left on the early train. Well, I'm like, okay, I got an extra two hours. What, what should I do? Did you drink on a train? Kind of train? I, I did not. I huh. rode that
2: train many times, and we drank <laughs> a lot going down there. Just, not that I could own that. Uh,
0: so, so I decided I'm going to take the train downtown, uh, which is not responsible. It's like seven stops farther than I should have gone to get to the airport. Um, but my idea was there's a new installation, a new piece of art that I read about, and it's a giant statue of Abraham Lincoln. And someday, not in, the, in the not too far off future, Nick and I are going to take a trip together to just hit Lincoln sites in Chicago and do a, a podcast about it, similar to this one. But I'm like, I'm going to get down to this statue. So I take the train all the way downtown, uh, get off, and I didn't actually, I didn't even take the train. I took the train to Irving Park, which is where you get off to get to Wrigley Field. Then I took the L downtown. Um, Elevated train. Now keep That's in mind. Keep in mind, I have my suitcase uh, and my backpack packed with stuff for a conference, so I'm like, and it's, and it's warm out. You had wheels, right? It did have wheels. Uh, so I screwed up the directions like six times. There a sweater, find too. It, couldn't find it. Finally, I found it, and it is a very striking piece of art. This the, is Baberham
2: Lincoln? This is not
0: Baberham Lincoln. Oh, Baberham Lincoln's damn. on the north side. This is downtown.
2: You know, I was sharing that with my grandma. Yeah. Uh, the other day, Babraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. and she she let me know he was his uh, her first love. So,
0: how old is your, is your grandmother? She's 175 years old. <laughs> um, so I, I see this thing and it just kind of comes comes out of nowhere. Um, and I actually recorded some audio of it, but the audio is is pretty bad. Um, uh, so I don't know if we'll be able to play it for you. But the, lay it out for
2: us. What's it look like?
0: The it's it's the first thing that's going to strike you is it is tall like you're used to these like bronze statues that kind of stand out you know and they're probably i don't know 15 feet tall or whatever this is is a
2: statue tall or is the platform it's
0: not on a platform he's standing they're standing on the ground standing on the ground yeah how are we talking uh i don't know i think like 10 feet oh no it's way more 30 25 i think but it looks i mean it's hard to put that in perspective it looks super tall um but The idea behind the artwork is it's um, designed to, like, depict Lincoln's coming across generations. So there's a statue of him next to a statue of a present-day figure with the idea that he's kind of, like, talking to him. And it is 25 feet tall. I just looked that up. He's kind of talking to him about something. So, like, the the other figure who's a modern-day person is holding, like, a document, and Lincoln's got his hat off And there's pictures of this on our Instagram. And he's kind of talking to this other figure. And Lincoln is, you know, tall, right in the middle of the city. You know, as you're looking up at some, you know, at this thing, it's very striking. But, like, I couldn't get past the modern-day statue is this guy that looks like a dad. Like, he looks like, like someone... All I could think of is this is the dad joke statue. These look like two... They look like they're just popping off super cheesy, horrible dad jokes. Because the other statue has got this like, this like white sweater <laughs> that's like got, got like big diamonds in the white. Uh, we talking knitting. like a Cosby sweater? Not. It's not like not not in like the loudness of the colors. Which I'm gonna rename to Dredge sweater, just for the record. Yeah. <laughs> because Cosby, you know. Yeah, he's got I mean, his he's- issues. Uh, and he's got like a pink collared shirt underneath this this white sweater. I'm like, okay, he, he looks like a nerdy dad, like a nerdy white, white suburban dad. So okay, I'm talking about that into my microphone and I apologize that the audio didn't work out, but then I get up closer and I see that the the dad guy has the white sweater, the purple collar, and he's got on literally corduroy pants. Like corduroy, these corduroy, yeah. These big corduroy pants with these bright white tennis shoes. Like, it's the nerdiest dad looking guy standing next to Abraham Lincoln. They even sell
2: corduroy pants anymore? No, I
0: mean, it was was like a 90s thing, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm like, did you have a subject for this? And, like, this, I love that it's in Chicago. It's kitschy, it's fun. Um, But it's just so strange. How tall tall is this uh, corduroy dad? He's. The Lincoln figure is 25 feet tall. He's probably like 22 feet tall. So he's, like, a little bit shorter. Um, But it really, it really looks like two guys get like doing dad jokes like really horrible dad jokes
2: what what's a, I, I'm not a dad so what's a really horrible dad joke oh
0: man Th- if you google them there's so many like you know how do you how do you give an octopus ten giggles <laughs> you, you give them ten tickles
2: Wow that, that's
0: that's ten- bad tentacles because ten tick yeah I got gotcha. you there's plenty more where that came from <laughs>
2: He's a dad too, so yeah, he's yeah. got uh,
0: <laughs> endless supply. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: All right, so you go there.
0: Um, so anyway, I'm getting, we're getting not even close to where we need to go, we're wasting <laughs> some time. So anyway, so I risk missing my flight to Boston, which would be really bad from an employment standpoint. And I end up sprinting through Chicago, sweating like crazy, to get back on the train to get back to O'Hare to catch my flight. But I ended up doing it, so I made my flight back t- to go to Boston. And in Boston, I did everything I could to find as many Lincoln sites. You know,
2: O'Hare, for the listeners who aren't from Chicago, is not in Chicago. O'Hare, the busiest... There is a... Midway is in Chicago.
0: Well, they're both, like, technically it's in Chicago, but it's not near... It's nowhere near downtown.
2: Yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah it's really almost a suburb, I mean. Rosemont is really what's by The
0: only reason it's Chicago is because Chicago annexed it yeah. to make... To build the airport. Yep. Um, but anyway... Uh, so, we get to Boston. we spent all day Sunday touring Boston. so my colleague was great trying to find the Airbnb and all that kind of stuff. What time you get in? Uh, we landed at eight um, got to the Airbnb what, like
2: game, a, day of the week again Saturday Saturday yeah. so, so okay, so no Lincoln's that night at Boston?
0: <laughs> well, uh, there was uh, so we get to our Airbnb. we have dinner, have a few drinks, and I'm like exhausted like traveling all day, running through the city. I had to be up at six to get to my class. And I see this, like, giant lit-up monument, right, in the middle of – and it's in Cambridge. And I'm like, oh, you know, what is that? And I get over there, and it's the Cambridge Monument to all of the people from Cambridge who died in the Civil War. And who is in the middle of that – Grant. Monument? (laughs) abraham lincoln oh damn so um it was cool um and, and i would recommend it it's a really really cool um, um monument um,
2: uh, i believe there was another lincoln sighting too when you got to your place yes at the, at the
0: actual airbnb and i apologize to the people who i rented the airbnb from <laughs> i went through their collection of vinyl great jazz records i listened to desire the album by bob dylan on their record player nice. uh, was which wasn't sound. even set up oh it sounded great It was awesome
2: Huge Dylan fan. Yes, yes. Dylan on vinyl, nothing better than that. Yeah.
0: Too. So that was cool. But on the bookshelf among and these were probably Harvard students, so you know, obviously their bookshelf is way more impressive than mine. But the Fiery Trial, the book we reviewed last week on the shelf. Fate.
2: That's what we call fate. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. Or just All right. good taste. So, so you go to sleep. You so dream Lincoln, I'm sure. Of course. Um, um probably um, Abraham Lincoln. Um, but then you get up, any Lincoln signings in the morning.
0: Uh, in the morning, we we did the Freedom Trail thing. Uh, the it's is this Sunday now. This is Sunday, and I'm going to okay. kind of combine Sunday and Wednesday because the Massachusetts what, State what House. The? Just bear how the with hell me. Are you
2: going to combine Sunday and Wednesday? You're be- like because
0: because very, for, for one very important reason, the State House is not open on Sundays, even though it belongs to the people and it should be um so we went so when you go to boston common the state house is right there so if you're touring boston and the state house is open when you get off the train and you're in boston common you'll see the very famous and very well done monument to the 54th massachusetts so nick a little history on the
2: 54th uh 54th was the first all african-american uh division pretty much soldiers who went out there and fought Led by uh, Shaw, Mm -hmm. Um, Robert Shaw, am I correct? Robert Gould Shaw. Yeah, Robert Gould Shaw. So um, basically, if you've ever seen the movie Glory, and that's kind of what that story is based off of, which is definitely probably the best Civil War movie out there, uh, minus Lincoln, depending how you classify that as a Civil War movie or not. So um, I recommend watching that for sure. So yeah, yeah. and then, you know, very decorated, um, went out there.
0: Uh, what was it, Fort Wagner? Am I yeah, it was yeah, Fort Wagner. Yeah, Fort that they, Wagner,
2: uh, they took place in that um, battle right there. So,
0: Yeah, I believe the book is called One Gallant Rush. That's about that story, about how they uh, very heroically led the charge, uh, ill-fated ultimately of Fort yeah. Wagner. But the monument to them is very well done. Um, it's a little... Centered probably more than it should be on Robert Gould Shaw. Uh, layout:
2: uh, Are we talking? What's it look like? Paint a picture for us.
0: Uh, on the back, there's a really nice inscription about uh, the, the kind of the backstory. It acknowledges first the white officers, um, and then it talks about the the fact that many of the soldiers were former slaves and how they kind of proved many people wrong, many contemporary at the time ideas about black people wrong by by being very effective and uh, worthy soldiers. Uh, and then you kind of have to go up some stairs to go around, and then the front is a big bronze uh, depiction of Gould Shaw in the middle with all of the 54th kind of behind him marching into battle. Um, it's very, very well done. And when I was there, there was a reenactor that was there that was kind of cool to see as well. Oh,
2: sweet. So, uh, was it off on its own, or was it part
0: of a you know, kind of historical complex area? I mean, it's on Boston Common, which is very historic in nature, and it's and it's right across the street from the State House, so it's kind of all in it. But it's definitely on its own; like it's not part of like a series of monuments by any means. Um, unfortunately, a lot, of, a lot of traffic for them. Oh yeah, tons. Yeah, okay, it's and it's in a really prominent spot. Um, so I have not been to Boston to all the list oh no, myself, it's yeah, it's so it's knows. impossible to miss. It's definitely a it's definitely a draw. Um, and you cannot go. I mean, there's really you, there's really no way for to go from Boston Common to the State House without walking past it. You just you can't. However, <coughs> excuse me. However, when you cross the street, there is a huge statue of none other than Fighting Joe Hooker.
2: <laughs> because yeah. why wouldn't you have a huge statue it's, of Fighting he, Joe Hooker and all the stuff he did <laughs> yeah
0: yeah like, hey, this here's a guy that lost a few battles and got fired um, but yeah it's, he's very prominently placed um right right at the entrance and you can walk right up to his statue you can't walk right up to the statue of john kennedy but whatever uh, but in the state Who's house
2: or kennedy or hooker Oh, i don't know probably kennedy kennedy and hooker in the same sentence there's a couple jokes yeah <laughs>
0: Hey um, But anyway, so, and I don't want to drag out too much, like kind I, like, I feel like I'm kind of showing you my vacation slides right now, but um, there's Lincoln is actually very prominently placed in the Massachusetts State House as well. There's a bust of him with the entire text of the Gettysburg Address, and the biggest portrait, or one of the biggest portraits, in the whole state house is of Abraham Lincoln. It's bigger than all of the, the governors and all that kind of stuff. So there's tons of cool stuff in there to check out as well. Um, one other thing before I want to shift gears a little bit, um, every city, one thing that kind of struck me about Boston, Boston is a city, Cambridge is a city, Charleston is a city, but they, you don't even notice that you're going from one city to the next. Like it's, they're very tightly packed as a lot of things are in that area, but there's a civil war monument to the people of Boston.
2: How do Boston people say Abraham?
0: <laughs> you asked me to fake a Boston accent? <laughs> I, I don't know if I can do it for Abraham. Abraham? All Ab- right. Abraham, I don't know. If right, there was a ER in it, yeah. The Hava the car and a Dad. But there's a monument to the people that died from Boston. There's a monument for the people that died from Charlestown. There's a monument to the people who died. Where is this at now? What are you talking about? All in Boston. Like, I came across Oh, them. these are just all the different yeah, monuments. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of neat that every municipality put up a, a, a monument, and they're all within, I don't know, three, four miles of each other. So... It's crazy. Um, Other Civil War stuff I saw, I saw two very, very cool um, statues for Charles Sumner, the radical Republican. Um, I recorded a whole bunch of stuff for the purposes of using in this podcast. I don't think we're going to use all of it. I'm just going to play the Sumner one because it's the shortest one. Um, The audio recordings on this weren't great. That's why we're not using them. But I'm just going to play the Sumner one just because it's the shortest one. But we're
2: trying for our listeners. Right. We're trying
0: to switch some things up here for you. I tried so. to record something in the field. This so is it. Yep. Here, here's my. So I'm standing here by the Charles Sumner statue right outside Harvard University in Cambridge, Massachusetts. It's a really, really cool memorial uh, slash statue. It's good likeness. His sideburns are radical. They're epic. It's It's amazing. Um, he's seated holding a book. Um, it's interesting in its prominent placement right outside the Harvard Gate uh, from the Harvard Square. Um, and it's, it's a really neat setting. There's kind of a lot of convergence of streets and cars and everything right now, but um, he's kind of in the middle of an intersection, pretty prominently placed. It's really, really cool looking. So, so that is how you describe a monument by only using the word cool and interesting, which is the, <laughs> real articulate on my part. Yeah, just like the Harvard
2: kids, um, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, do people look at you as you're recording it?
0: Yeah, I don't really care.
2: Well, God, I hope not. I mean, you got a Lincoln tattoo, you yeah. got an Illinois tattoo, and you got Lincoln like, podcast. Yeah. If you're caring about what people think, it's going to be a long, I, long, I long Shockingly,
0: not one person came up to me and said, hey, aren't you the guy from the Real Splitter podcast? Well, I couldn't, I couldn't, I don't know why nobody said Your that. voice
2: kind of sounded a little different there. Yeah. So maybe if you went to normal voice, they would have heard it, recognized.
0: Yeah, it could be, it could be. So um, one other, I want to real briefly talk about one other monument, uh, just because I think it does need a little bit of attention in Boston, uh, which is, and I, I'm going to play the audio from that one too, um, but it's actually called the Lincoln's, the Lincoln Freedman's statue. Um, I erroneously called it the Emancipation Memorial in my recording. But there is a a monument. There you go. Making up for that vocab from that last recording. Uh, Because we recorded it live. Um, It's uh, intended to to honor and give Lincoln credit for the emancipation or abolishment of slavery. It's not the most uh, pleasant memorial design looking back. And I'm just going to kind of play you my initial reaction to it as I came across it and then maybe talk a little bit about it afterward um, so this is okay i'm at the emancipation monument in boston uh it's modeled after one that's in washington dc um, it's kind of tucked away from boston common uh, and like park square there's like a really nice park but there's a, a apartment building looking thing in between so it's kind of tough to find um, but it does have a nice um, grassy kind of area that it's in, in the middle of uh, intersection of three streets um, it's been written about a lot it's a rather unfortunate uh, positioning of the figures you have Lincoln standing over um, a freed slave kind of with his hand over him and the, the slave has got chains that have been broken uh, so the sentiment of it is pretty clear but the you know uh, the positioning of the the former slave definitely is kind of beneath Lincoln in a way that's that's probably not uh, not real conducive to the idea of equality by any stretch um, the inscription the engraving on the bottom says a race set free at the country and the country at peace lincoln rests from his labors uh which is really interestingly weird worded um you know you know a country's at peace a race set free and then lincoln rests from his labors because he you know we all know what happened as soon as those things, two things happen with lincoln he rested for sure he still is Um, on the other side it says given to the city of boston by moses kimball in 1879 so that's you know the dated nature of the pieces, probably having to do with it being sculpted in 1879 um there are some really nice marble like chairs kind of all around the whole thing um so yeah it's a it's a neat uh monument but you would have to really deliberately come see it if you're looking at um, Boston common uh, going to the massachusetts state house um you'd have to really intentionally come over and take a look so i would recommend it though it's a it's a pretty pretty interesting piece um with obvious obvious setbacks but uh still pretty cool okay
2: we need to get, need to get you some uh new audio gear out there to yeah that that, uh, i should have you know we should have talked about this we, we, we should have
0: I, I could have told the story like I was in the middle of a hurricane telling that. You, t- you can tell by the wind in my microphone. So I apologize for that. And now you can kind of see that. Those were the better of the recording. So you can kind of see why we didn't share with you the other ones.
2: You know, I haven't seen this in person. And I, I've never seen it actually till now. Listening to that recording, I pulled it up here. And you, you mentioned the unfortunate uh, position of it. I, I encourage the listeners to, to look this up. And I think you'll see what he's talking about. Um, because to me, that's the most striking thing um, to it. For sure, I'll let you speak a little bit more now.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's, it, it was made in 1879. So not to forgive anybody, but it it's it certainly has. It's kind, a, it's kind of cringeworthy
2: now. You're kind it, of. I think uh, I think
0: that's a great way to describe it's it. It's kind of like, like uh, you know, oh, a monument to that. Uh, you know, um, yeah, it's not, it's not the greatest. Um, as, instead of the taking way it, they
2: position Lincoln too is kind of
0: like, the like kind of leaning like yeah, it's definitely just, uh, uh, pushing that white savior narrative and all that kind of stuff. So it is not great by any means. However, um, it's an interesting historic piece, which I think we kind of look at monuments, and I think this is a good segue into the next piece because um, we need to look at all of these things critically. Uh, so transitioning, and I don't want to take too much time because I know we've been talking for a while, but um, the debate over whether or not Confederate monuments should stand. Um, I've, I'm very opinionated on this, and I have very strong opinions. However, I was in a workshop um, this week at Harvard, and um, they showed me a speech, and you may be familiar with this, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I'm going to play more audio than we probably ever will or normally will on the show, which is only about five minutes. We're just going to play five minutes of the speech. But his argument for why taking down monuments to the Confederacy is important is more eloquently stated than I ever could. And I think it's more of a springboard for a conversation than trying to just debate first and listen to it. So I'm going to play this speech about taking down Confederate monuments. And then Nick and I will chat about it for a little while. What do you lay it out? Who it's from? Uh, This is from the New Orleans mayor. um, About, there was a Jeff Davis, um, Jefferson Davis uh, statue sitting very prominently in New Orleans and some other Confederate officers. His name is Mitch Landrew and um, he is um, very, very eloquent about saying it, but he's also, he doesn't pull any punches. So I don't want to set you up too much, but he, is, uh, he called a meeting to deliver the speech. I think it's very well said.
1: I thank you all for uh, coming today. The soul of our beloved city is rooted in a history that has evolved over thousands of years rooted in a diverse people who've been here together every step of the way, through good and through bad. It is a history, our history, that holds in its heart the stories of Native Americans, the Choctaw, the Homa, the Chittimacha, Hernando de Soto, Robert Cavalier, Sir de Salle, the Acadians, the Islanos, the enslaved people of Senegambia, free people of color, the Haitians, the Germans, both empires. Of France and Spain, the Italian, the Irish, the Cubans, the South and Central Americans, the Vietnamese, and so many more. You see, New Orleans is truly a city of many nations, a melting pot, a bubbling cauldron of many cultures. There is no other place quite like it in the world that so eloquently exemplifies the uniquely American motto, e pluribus unum, out of many, we are one. But there are also other truths about our city that we must confront. New Orleans was one of America's largest slave markets, a port where hundreds of thousands of souls were bought, sold, and shipped up the Mississippi River to lives of forced labor, of misery, of rape and of torture. America was a place where nearly 4,000 of our fellow American citizens were lynched, 540 in Louisiana alone, where our courts enshrined separate but equal, where freedom riders were beaten to a bloody pulp. So when people say to me that the monuments in question are history, Well, what I just described to you is our history, as well. And it is a searing truth. And it immediately begs the question, why there are no slave ship monuments, no prominent markers on public land to remember the lynchings or the slave blocks, nothing to remember this long chapter of our lives of pain, of sacrifice, of shame, all of it happening on the soil Of New Orleans. So for those self-appointed defenders of history and the monuments, they are eerily silent on what amounts to historical malfeasance, a lie by omission. There is a difference you see between remembrance of history and the reverence of it. For America, New Orleans, it has been a long and winding road, marked by tragedy and triumph, but we cannot be afraid of the truth. As President George W. Bush said at the, at the dedication ceremony for the National Museum of African American History and Culture, and I quote, a great nation does not hide its history. It faces its flaws, and it corrects them. So today I want to speak about why we chose to remove these four monuments to the lost cause of the Confederacy, but also how and why this process can move us towards healing and understanding each other. So let's start with the facts. The historic record is clear. Robert E. Lee, Jeff Davis, PGT Beauregard statutes were not erected to just honor these men But as part of a movement which became known as the Cult of the Lost Cause, this cult had one goal and one goal only, through monuments and through other means to rewrite history, to hide the truth, which is that the Confederacy was on the wrong side of humanity. First erected 166 years after the founding of our cities, 19 years after the Civil War, these monuments that we took down were meant to rebrand the history of our city and the ideals of the Confederacy.
0: Okay, I'm going to cut it off there. He goes on to continue. But, Nick, I want your initial thoughts.
2: Well, uh, initial thoughts are I, I agree with the line. You know, uh, the reason a lot of these statues went up of these prominent figures, these individual figures, is to kind of rally the cause, what he said, the lost cause. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, you know, a lot of people support it as, you know, this, it's representing Southern. To me, it doesn't represent what the South's about. The South's about hospitality, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, being inviting, welcoming, polite. Um, And these statues, why are you using this to represent that ideal? Um, And they're really losing, Yeah, it's like what we talked about that other episode when we played the Cliff from The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bottom line is the Civil War was the issue over slavery. Mm-hmm. Slavery is what intensified the state rights issues. Slavery is what it's always intensified the tariff issues um, because, you know, what was really the tariff issue about? Cotton and the price of that and who was working in those cotton fields then. Um, so it, it's just uh, it's a – I disagree with him. I, I agree, excuse me, with him, what he was saying as far as their remembrance – It was well thought out to try to twist what the Civil War is about, in my opinion.
0: Right, and I think that's the key, and especially as it relates to this podcast, that those monuments were not what they claimed to be. What they claimed to be was respectful, respectful representation of history, honoring of history. What they were was a rewriting of history, ignoring the atrocities. You know, when he talks about I really liked how he talked about slavery because I think we're we're conditioned in school to understand slavery as working for free Um, he called it rape he called it torture uh, he called it what it was which is not working for free right It's, it's you know it's it is systematized institutionalized rape and torture and Dehumanization in, in, in its worst form.
2: Slavery is not working for free at all. That means, like, I mean, if you're the slave, you, you're you the one paying the price. Right. And that's not free. You right. know what I mean? No, yeah. yeah. It's,
0: it's, you know, but that's just kind of, I mean, and how do you teach it to a fourth grader? I get it. Like, it's, it's, these concepts are very, very difficult to talk about in, in school, but I, I really like how he pulled no punches saying the arguments for keeping these things are not about legacy or identity, they are about racism. And they are about saying that what, what happened didn't happen and it was really about Southern pride and it was really about, you know, states' rights or whatever, whatever rationale you want to give when it was about continuing the legacy of dominance over a race of people.
2: Let me ask you this. Would he draw, or let me ask you, would you draw a line between a monument that represents an ideal figure like a Jefferson Davis, Robert E. Lee... Mm-hmm as opposed to a monument that represents a, you know, a division, a unit. Um, Do you think that's the same? Do you think those have a right to stay? You know, you're a southern town. You know, let's just say you have a monument erected, like representing these are the Civil War, like Harvard had, but it's a southern institution. Do you believe there's a place for those?
0: Uh, That's a great question. Um, No. Personally, I think that um – no. Um, when you go to Germany, I, I think it's an interesting comparison. How how do, how have they wrestled with the fact that not that long ago there were, you know, what, two generations ago, and many of them are alive still, fought for a very evil regime, right? Um, I guess there will perhaps, whatever, you know, like they, there's not any sort of honoring of that. There's a lot of anti-war acknowledgement, kind of like the sacrifices that were made and what it did to the country. There's a lot of, you know, they've left some of the destroyed buildings as monuments to peace. I think there's a place for that, uh, but it's it's always kind of a, a slippery slope when you're acknowledging any well, group. And I'm not saying like you know. What about some wars, of
2: America's wars though? Vietnam, where some people say. Right um not not that i agree with it but some people would say america some of their actions was wrong
0: i you're that's a great point Uh, and and this could be another episode maybe even another podcast unto itself it's always challenging how we and, and i'm talking to nick who's done more work for veterans than anybody i know i mean this you know i have no doubts about his respect for veterans nor nor any of ours however I do feel we need to acknowledge some things. Like being pro veteran, I think many times is also in a way being anti war, right? But we have to acknowledge that there was some bad stuff that goes, like, you know, war is a terrible thing, right? And people do things. And there's some great stuff in documentaries about, like, you know, these farm boys from Minnesota, wherever, going over and just like shooting unarmed people that were trying to surrender and doing all this well, of stuff I'm not like they would I'm never normally and,
2: uh, do. Some of the veterans that I've talked to, you know, the justification for going to Vietnam was wrong. Right. And therefore in a sense, in some veterans eyes, I'm not saying this, this is just what I've heard from some veterans. So, and not that I agree with it either is that America, some people make the argument that America was unjustified to go in there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they were on the moral wrong side in that. Some people make that argument.
0: Right. And then, you know, but I looking at the Vietnam Memorial, that is so clearly a memorial for loss, for sacrifice, for service. It is well, I'm not, not talking about this. go ahead. I know, but it is not a monument for America, right? It is not we were right. It was not we were triumphant. It is when you see people standing there, the tears are not in this like kind of red, white, and blue patriotism. It's it's about sacrifice. It's about serving. And it's so powerful. And I don't think you see that with more dated monuments. It, like, the I branding what, of the of the monuments for the Confederacy is different.
2: And I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate to right. you right here right now. Um, but, you know, that's why I'm throwing out to Jefferson Davis, throwing those monuments out of right. there. Right. But, like, if a town had one honoring the boys who fought for the South from there, isn't that really the same thing? I mean – you got to understand with war isn't it really the leaders who decide to go to the war and it's unfortunate it's the young men who fight it for their right. reasons yes. for the majority of the time
0: right i would love to say that if it were me i would defect from south carolina and i would walk my rear end up and enlist in a, you know a northern unit somewhere like obviously that's not going to happen like no one had that foresight and wars are fought on the backs of the
2: the only place that you know, happens is those border states. Where right so sometimes yeah,
0: yeah, and I get it. But you know like how do you and it's and I, and I, and I, and I, but I believe the history of the monument and the celebration of it has taken a it's, it's completely rooted in white supremacy and racism. And, and I know it's a bold statement and, and I'm not trying to be a fire starter here, but the Confederate flag is a great example. It was not that big of a deal in the war it was not used as a symbol of Southern pride for decades afterward. It wasn't until there was an opportunity to kind of co-opt it to double down on white power in the state of Mississippi on their flag and then elsewhere where they brought it back. Like, this is not about identity. This is not about heritage. It's about power structures. So how do you honor that heritage in a good way? I think you just acknowledge that piece like you can't ignore it you can't honor one thing while ignoring something else
2: what about at uh, a lot of Civil War battlefields both sides mm-hmm. they have many monuments the majority of those are dedicated to the divisions and the units that fought in that would you remove those
0: I don't think I would remove them no but I do think that it needs to be taken as it is I mean look like Lincoln's my hero we just spent a few minutes Talking about how wow, this monument is really in poor taste, <laughs> you know. So like, there are ways to do it, and, and there are monuments to them that I really like that are overstated and probably also in poor taste in a different way. Um, I just think that you can't use them to rewrite history or to overly honor something. And Lincoln may be overly honored, like like I said, you can't go to a major city. I mean, there's you can I mean, there's there's a Lincoln statue in London. Like, it's not even an American thing. Like,
2: well, I think there's something that a lot of people don't understand. It's like custer had this Mm -hmm. his wife or his widow made a big push to kind of rewrite his history almost and to make him kind of like this national treasure Mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't understand that when it comes into play with these monuments these symbols and that that's why history is important to understand where this comes and then how this all you know where we are now 2017 how this makes certain group of people feel why it was done and then a lot of people just don't think about that and look Mm -hmm. into it and then and then part of that is because, you know, there's other people who are trying to play it for a purpose, uh, you know, an agenda, and they're trying to hide the real reason why they're doing it. So, Right.
0: Um, and, and I think the next step in, in the conversation is not to talk about how do we re- memorialize them forever, and I don't want to get on my political high horse here, but how are we honoring them when they come home? Like, are are we providing health care that is appropriate for our veterans? Are we caring for he who in the battle? You know, like, the legacy is one thing, but what we actually do, and I think that's an important thing, too, because there was n- virtually nothing <laughs> to support. And granted, it was a different era, and I get it. Um, but, you know, that... Are we, we talking I, Civil War right now? Yeah, well, Civil War yeah, and era. now. And now, you know, it's, it, you know, how how we look at service... We don't. Um, should, not be, should not be a memorializing a monument as much as memorialized, than are we honoring their service by telling the story in the way that it should be told?
2: To me, the biggest problem in 2017 is we don't want to look at what war is, mm-hmm. why wars start, and what's the impact it has on these <laughs> veterans. We would rather ignore it. In my personal opinion, um, and just talking to a lot of veterans, I mean, I've talked to over 200 veterans we've recorded and People, part of the reason why they come back feeling so isolated is because we have no idea. Mm-hmm. We have no idea, and the average American doesn't understand what it means to go into conflict, into battle, and, and we try to not hear that. We like to wave the flag um, and you know, do the 4th of July thing, but we really don't. To me, the best thing we could do is have an open mic, get the whole town out, and listen to these guys and ladies talk about the experience that they had. And we—that would be the most patriotic thing we could ever do, right? In this and, and I
0: think that speaks to what we're talking about. To bring it back to the Civil War, learning about what actually happened, learning about the sacrifices we made, actually honoring and respecting what happened, what they could control, what they could not control, um, and holding people accountable if they need to be held accountable, and respecting the sacrifice at every turn. And and I do think that it goes. That piece for sure. Listen, and I agree with you 100%. But I also want to take it a step further. You know, you see stories on Facebook all the time about how people, like, oh, I saw a veteran at breakfast, so I paid for his breakfast, which is awesome and it's so kind-hearted. But wouldn't it be great if the federal government provided the services that veterans need, from a healthcare standpoint and meth- mental health care standpoint, so that we all, as a society, handled it. This has gotten so far from Abraham Lincoln. So if you're a Lincoln nut this is the first episode you listen to, it's not always like this, but it's something that I know we're both passionate about. And we went from a nice little story about my vacation to the fo- the foibles and falls and pitfalls of the Well that was for veterans. the people who want
2: us to get in a little more detail yeah, and deep. Right I guess
0: so, so but anyway, Mitch Landry I think I do also think that his speech carries a little bit of weight because he's a Southerner, right? You know, I mean, I do think there are elements of it where I could say the same thing and I don't have the same frame of reference. Like him being a leader from the South and him saying this is who we are as New Orleans, a hugely important city in the South, I do think he's got a little bit of authority. And when he calls out that mindset, I think it's really, really powerful. All right. Cool. I think we need to...
2: We got to get a link this week in Lincoln.
0: Yeah, I think we need to. Let's spin this a little more positive. It started with vacation. It turned into how we're underserving veterans, which is a downer. So let's bring it back up.
2: Hey, no, it's porn stuff, though. But this good a good, good conversation. Here I agree. Today. Have you seen All you right. forever? Are you hanging out in Boston, Harvard without me? That's
0: right. I'm rubbing elbows with intellectuals. And and, Har- and you know when I was recording that, and I said, oh, it's right outside Harvard Square, I'm like, I've never sounded more Midwestern in my life when I go, Harvard Square. Um, so I'm like, oh, it's right outside Ivan Square. You know, like I, I can't speak that way. <laughs> anyway. We just uh, lost
2: all our listenership in Boston.
0: I'm going to turn it over to Nick for the this week's installment of This Week in Lincoln. Uh-huh. So uh,
2: a couple years ago, I went to a Comic-Con um, with my brother, who's a, who's a big comic fan. Um, while we are there, you know, for those of you that go to Comic-Con, you know, there's a, a lot of different stuff laid out. And I guess technically, this is the Comic Con in Wizard World one in Chicago. So I don't want you to think I was cool enough to go out to the San Diego one. Um, but, anyways, there's always a floor where you got a lot of retailers selling stuff. So I'm walking around, you know, kind of looking at stuff, trying to look for some comics, some different posters. And I come across some of these uh, figurines. And then I'm looking at them. I'm like, dude, this is a combination of your classic horror monsters from horror films. And your presidents, so for example, we, we have Lincolnstein, which we'll post online. Basically, this figurine that's made into Lincoln slash Frankenstein, and then, and then I came across the the Nixon Swamp Monster. Wow! So I'm like, I can't pass up the Lincoln. Uh, excuse me, the Nixon Swamp Monster. I actually bought that, and it's actually in my classroom now. So, um, it's just kind of interesting thing. Just once again, seeing how presidents and Lincoln. Um, some of your more well named presidents are used to, just to sell products in all these different ways. And that's what we keep seeing week in and week out on this This Week in Lincoln. Lincoln is. You, Lincoln's sellable. I mean, yeah. he, he's. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of like, you know, sex sells, Lincoln
0: sells. Yeah, they're right. Got that right. <laughs> uh, trick question. That's the same thing. No, totally kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Um, yeah, and that's, that's a great example of This Week in Lincoln because I do think that. Uh, the intent of that piece, that segment, is to find funny things. So you got Lincoln in Monuments, Lincoln on Currency, but you also got. Lincolnstein. Lincolnstein. A Frankenstein. I just Not watched Undead. Young
2: Frankenstein for the first time the other day. Oh, yeah, a little Mel Brooks. I like that. Yeah, it's it. a great
0: movie. So, um, and I did want to mention um, we have three people who gave us reviews on iTunes, and we are so appreciative of that, um, which we'll, we'll try to get to as many of them as we can in future episodes. We're going to read the first iTunes rating we've ever gotten, and we are so thankful for a person named Alex Diamonds. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. The title of this review, and I'm just going to read this word for word with no reaction until the end, one of the best presidential podcasts out there. Alex writes, move over, Whistle Stop, and Washington Post's presidential. There are new kids in town, and they are talking about the best wrestler turned president in our nation's history. Wow. Wow. High praise. Uh, Thank you, Alex. Alex, you are way too kind. I really appreciate uh, the sentiment. Uh, Whistle Stop's great. Washington Post Presidential is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. They're coming out with a new one called Constitutional, which is hopefully going to be cool as well. Huge, huge praise. Thank you so much, Alex. It was a five-star rating, which we are so grateful for. Um, we, we need those to keep coming to get us some publicity because the more people that listen to the show, the bigger community of Lincoln enthusiasts we can be a part of And we want all of the the listeners out there. Um, we've had some I've had a lot of fun and Nicks had a lot of fun reading as well the response on Twitter we've got, fans of lincoln fans of the show um we've got one fan from georgia named helen who's like super cool Uh, she's tweeted some really kind compliments and she's interacted with us about the show which is super fun for us i think the key word you said
2: there was community we'd love Mm -hmm. to build a lincoln community you know get stuff going on twitter we get a bigger following there's so many different things out there we could do um different forums, maybe we could set up and just um chit chat about it heck we get enough followers in different places we got meetups. There you go. Lincoln Meetups. How about uh, that?
0: And, and honestly, you know, we say that half jokingly. But if you know, if I'm walking around, I'm Boston, not joking. You know, at all yeah, if it. we're walking around Boston looking at Lincoln stuff, I'd love to put a feeler out there. Anybody in New England want to want to go do some touring with us? You know, that kind of stuff would be fun. We want to build a community where talking about and appreciating history is fun, exciting, and it's not frowned upon or nerdy. I mean, it is nerdy, but we don't care. We love you. We love the nerds.
2: We also so, want to get guests. You know, and then they go watch me come on your podcast we start showing them this is why you know we got alex listening to us right right and then sure. we, you know we got um what's the lady uh from georgia sorry i forgot her oh helen yeah yeah we awesome. got helen yeah. in georgia loving the show yep, so yep. she's awesome so you know,
0: we're close to we're in japan too i hear we got a listener in japan we have one listener in japan yeah we got a download in japan i believe we're in like 12 states now so and we have not forgotten about uh, you in australia yep and uh we also i want to make sure that we mention um, i'll try to listen to as many podcasts as i can to kind of help us out one of the podcasts that i really enjoy listening to um, especially about history is a podcast called the road to now uh, check that out it's by uh, ben sawyer who's a professor and bob crawford um, who's just an amazing amazing person he's so inspirational to me as a father i just wanted to mention that and to thank bob he retweeted a tweet that we had um, basically i said thanks for helping us make our show better and uh, he retweeted that. So thanks, Bob, for that. Thank you, listening. Bob. Um, but anyway, we've talked for quite a while, um, and this show can continue on. And we'll probably touch back on these issues because they're deep. And we just kind of scratched the surface on a lot of them. Um, and we do also want to kind of talk about Lincoln Tourism because I do really enjoy that. Oh, yeah. Next week is one of our special weeks. We are going to talk about Lincoln and wrestling. Nick's going to take center stage on that one as our WWE expert. But we will make it. Certainly rooted in history and and about Lincoln. It's more about Lincoln, less about um, wrestling, but definitely about both. So, Nick, any concluding thoughts?
2: No. I I think, you know, next time go to Boston, take me.
0: I will do my best. So, You uh, hear that, Trail Truly? Can (laughs) I go, please? (laughs) So, ladies and gentlemen, have a great week. We'll see you next week with our wrestling show. And until then, keep treating each other with malice toward none and with charity for all.